You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Dave, we have guests in the bar. We have guests. Uh, I, we have friends, Chris. I, I have been so excited about this. You're really excited that we have friends. Yeah, we have friends now. We have the 108 here, the, all three of them, at the 9-foot homemade oak bar. We're putting it to the test. Uh, gentlemen, we have sitting here with us. I'm, I'm gonna, I guess I go by their Twitter handles. Is that how you want me to do it? Okay. We, got, we got Beef Loaf. We got Cherizy E. We got My Sock Summer who uh, supposedly needs to have his name changed. I think we discussed that when we were in Cork and Kerry on the last weekend of the season when you guys pop by for that live episode. How are you? Doing fantastic. Happy, yeah. Slightly happy, hungover. Happy, happy New Year, guys. Yeah, happy, happy New, New Year. Year to you guys. Recording uh, this on the on, New, on New Year. Year's Day, New Year's afternoon. The, yes. New, the New Year's hangover is something special. <laughs> and we're going we're gonna to drink through it today. Are you, you gonna, hungover? You know, I wasn't too hungover right. when I woke up. But Oh, wait, no, I was incredibly hungover when I woke up. <laughs> well, you kept we, pouring yeah. the Bourbon County Stouts last night like it was like a bush light. Yeah. And we, I'm like, hey, what is he doing? Yeah, we, very aggressive. You know, we had a sure. lot of those. Yes. Right? And then what Most you want to do after you drink a lot of like stout that have been aged in a bourbon barrel is then follow it up with a lot of champagne. Right. Yes. That makes perfect <laughs> yeah. sense. Yep. If you bubbles if you, in your stomach. If that, you want to feel great. Yeah. If yeah, you want to feel exactly. great. And yeah. so, like, I'm probably the only dude not hungover today. I don't know, Chris. Yeah, because you, you left at 12.01. I did Dave, leave at 12.01. Dave, the, the clock strikes midnight. Dave, like, gets up and he goes, like, yeah, I'm, I'm leaving. Out, guys. I'm leaving. And I'm like, and his wife is sitting at the bar with my wife and they're drinking champagne. And she's like, where are you going? He's like, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm like, and as I walk him to the door, I go, uh, do you think think Hannah can uh, drive home? He's like, You'll be, she'll be fine. Take care of her. If you don't think she should drive home, you make the decision. I'm like, what am I making the decision for? <laughs> She's your wife. He's out the door. He's waving. He's like, everybody have a good night. That's Come a sign of Went home, went to sleep. Then he's bragging this morning. Like, I don't have a hangover. Yeah, because you left a party at 1201. Hey, man, I got up. I worked out. I got some stuff done around the house. Dude, man, it was glorious. All right, so. well, for anybody that, like, I know a lot of people know you guys, and but just in case we just run couple, into some people that don't know who you guys are, uh, the 108 guys sit in Section 108. That's the corner down the right field line right at the foul pole. They have been on White Sox Twitter for years. They are this this cult phenomenon. When Daniel Polka had his big year in 2018, they were the Polka maniacs out there. I mean, they, they, these this is what these guys do. Um People clamor to get into your section. I keep waiting for the White Sox to change the ticket pricing so that and and put like a sign out there and try to like make you like a corporate thing. Like that's what I'm I'm very worried about that. We're glad they haven't because the reason why we picked that section originally is it's the cheapest ticket on the lower level. That's that's the thing people don't know about. Then they put a Cadillac like right next to you with the Gonzalo section. They did. I I think that only dropped our property value. Like we're we're the bad neighborhood next to the good neighborhood now. Yes. Yeah. Um, So. you should be buying low right. in, in our neighborhood right, right now. It's a lot of short sales and foreclosures. There's in been that several section. times that I've sat in the good neighborhood and then I'm like, I should go over there and say hi to the, the bad neighborhood. Like I'm waving to you guys in the 6 I'm like, hey! So Across wait, the, we got the water the, fountain wall that keeps where the riffraff out of the Goose Island section. So where does the good neighborhood start? Like where's the where's the geographical boundary between like... Right at the most. Well, so right? yeah, yeah, so they, they actually put in a river. Yeah, they, they put they, a river like, out just, there. They were like, we need a wall right. and water. They like put, a moat. The Goose Island section is like section 106 and 107 that they changed into this this area and they put a moat on either side of it like a waterfall so these guys there's a wall that blocks them 
from getting into with the with the with the did you guys, the good people. Did you, guys, yeah. did you guys say something bad about the team or something? Because that kind of sounds like what they do to us whenever we do. Yeah, they put a wall around us all the time. <laughs> well, you know, the, the White Sox did have a sit down with us. They yeah. made up for After it, yeah. it must uh, be nice to get a sit down with the White Sox. I know. I was gonna say. <laughs> I call up and they just hang up the phone. It's like one of those things where they pick up the phone and like, and they just click it right back down again. They see my well, caller ID. Well, Chris, you you know you are spilling drinks on the laps of guys that work with the White Sox. I mean, that's not something that they take lightly. Yeah, well, I was at the uh, Section 108 party, and I uh, happened to uh, spill an entire beer in the lap of... What, Marketing's the, guy. The yeah, marketing guy who works for Brooks Boyer. So oh, no. I, never, <laughs> I was really... Like, it all it, makes... It, it, all and it makes... went with... Uh, it was me handing him our card and him saying, I'll have Brooks call you. And as I reached out my hands to shake his hand and say thanks, I knocked the beer right into his lap. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it all makes sense. That's he'll it. never now forget they... you now, though. <laughs> <laughs> you, you made an indelible mark, and he'll never forget you. Also, it was very convenient for him because he had just pissed his pants. So like, <laughs> you, you covered up quite the accident for him, so he should be thankful. Well, there, just so there goes our sit-downs. And just, <laughs> and just so everybody knows, this is part of a crossover episode, so we are going to talk for our 30 minutes here on Sacks in the Basement. And the 108 guys are going to continue to sit down here at the bar. And then Dave and I are going to be guests on their podcast. So there is a crossover podcast going on. So we've got to get 25 more minutes out where we don't swear. And, uh, and then right, because our show is PG. And then the cursing the begins. Yeah. Okay, so did I want to talk. I, 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 did. I think oh, I did. Okay. I hope okay. you gentlemen have been saving up your curses because we oh, need all the curses I, you I, can put in our show. Yeah. I get very colorful. So <laughs> we appreciate that. Don't worry about that. Okay, so what I'd like to talk about this uh, this week and – I think you guys are perfect for it because I know that you have lots of, I mean, for all the fun that you have, you really like to break down things statistically. You you guys really are super fans. You really do subscribe to a lot of the different metrics that are out there. You really like to break down players. We True. actually discussed an article that Beefloaf did on our, one of our most recent episodes. And I appreciate that. I, I listened. I, I really appreciate you guys uh, it, mentioning that and, and directing towards that article. It was the best breakdown. Thank I you. thought of Keuchel, of all the people that wrote something, and that's not to put down any other writer, but it just you just hit it on the nose. I was like, wow, that was very, that was a really insightful article. I Thank really you. enjoyed it. So, that. you know, in comparison to your normal articles, which is like, where do you stand in which urinal when you go in there and it's <laughs> no, 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 acceptable no. and when it's not acceptable. Those that's are that's me, though. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's me. I'm not the statistical guy. I'm all right. a fan experience guy. Let's talk relief pitchers. Because this is the thing now Rick Hahn's talking about. He's talking about relief pitchers. And there's a couple people trying to float the thing that he's still in on Yasiel Puig. But there's a few others that are pushing back on it. I don't even feel like getting into that because I I just don't know if it's if it's going to happen. But le- relief pitching seems to be a thing that the Sox are talking about. So I was looking at what the Sox had. And you can find, find five guys that you can at least sit there and say, all right, these guys are probably in your mix, okay? Colome, Marshall, Herrera. Bummer and Fry. I would probably say that those five are in there. You got five starting pitchers. You're probably bringing 13 guys with a 26 man roster. So that means that you have three spots that you're either going to find internally or go outside and grab. Not what internally. You, and not internally. Probably, no. and, okay. and Chris, you should probably have you should probably have a couple more in your back pocket yeah. for when people either if people get injured or they just go off the boil right exactly can't pitch anymore absolutely so, so is there somebody that jumps out to you i love how Teresa is like nobody nobody internally well, so it's funny because <laughs> I, I i looked i looked the other day because i was like okay like some of these guys are gonna get pushed into the pen right like a uh, dylan covey's getting pushed into the bullpen like right. that's that's his slot in life now so i was like that's why I, maybe, I feel like he's the next guy he's one of those guys going in those three spots right so i i looked it up because i was like maybe he has like a really bad 
like uh, through the order penalty, right? Like, so like maybe he's really good the first time through the order, but then they see him and then like they get him. And that's why his ERA is so bad. It's not the case. He's, he's terrible right away. Right. <laughs> like his, his first time through the order ERA last year was like eight. So like his stench comes out right at me. He stands on the mound. He says to himself, okay, Dylan, here we go. We're going to have a good game. Throws that first pitch. He goes, dummy. And, and it's, it's gone. gone. The fact that he's going to have to face three batters now as a reliever, it's just not, it's not there. Yeah, because so, that's so the other thing with this rule, rule now. These yeah. relief pitchers have to pitch, which is a dumb rule. It is a dumb it's rule. It's a really dumb rule. I don't see how this really, speeds up the game it, at all. No, it, it's, it really is, and it takes the whole idea of bullpen specialists now out of the equation. Yeah, like, that's I mean, gone. This, I right. don't understand why the – I mean, I – I would think when the collective bargaining agreement like comes up, the union has to be sitting there defending those players whose careers are going to be shortened or end or never even start because there's no such thing as a guy who just comes in and pitches the one guy anymore. Right. Well, think about a Derek Holland who was getting a, a starter money a few years ago. Yeah. And now as a, a specialist, that guy is not going to get picked up this year. No. Like who's, who's going to use that guy? Like no one's going to want him. That was a guy who, what two years ago was making like five million dollars to be a starter. Yeah, from, I, uh, I think so the you, players see a lot right. of the players <laughs> should have been more <laughs> open to the pitch clock being more enforced before they gave that. They should have been like, like you know, the unions probably should have been sitting there saying, "Okay, fine, fine, fine. You want to do this one stupid thing? We'll put up with it, but don't take away jobs from members that are paying union dues." Like that would, I would, if I'm a player, I'm concerned about the fact that that that's happening and there's not as much blowback as you would think from the union. Well, you kind of wonder if it wasn't done in conjunction, right? Because they added the extra roster spot, so they're shifting the jobs from lefty one out guy, loogie guy, right. to probably an extra bat on lots of teams' benches. Because a lot of teams, even with the 25 man. We're carrying 13 pitchers obnoxiously, right. right? So they could have a million bullpen guys that they can interchangeably use. Now, for most teams, that's going to add to one extra bat. I don't know who that person's going to be. I, I kind of feel like it's going to be old slugger player that doesn't really have a position is going to be that. But who knows how the teams will actually end up deploying those spots. Well, I think it should be that guy who you bring out there and can really run. Like the, you know, like the, like the, the speed demon your utility player, guy, your, your, your yeah, utility the guy. Score. Didn't we draft a guy that's just like that? Like yeah, we drafted James, a guy, James right? Beard. James Beard. Yeah, we, speedster, and that's yeah. all he does. Like yeah. here's a guy who should be in the majors very soon, especially when they come up with, especially when they do the next rule where they're going to start the player at second base in extra innings. Oh, no, he's coming. <laughs> and it'll be like James Beard's going to be on the team forever. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, James, we're going to the 10th inning. Get out there at second base. I mean, I think that's part of why Adam Engel should, should probably make this oh, team. Oh, Adam Engel like, should be on this team. Yeah, we've we've a, we've talked to, we've talked about Adam Engel at length on on the podcast, and we all we've come to the agreement. Chris and I have that. Yeah, with this twenty six man roster, Adam Engel is a Adam Engel is pretty valuable to you as a either utility guy or a pinch running guy or defensive defensive substitution. Yep. Yeah, I mean, however you want to however you want to play it. But there there's a guy who would probably not have been on the main roster if not for this new twenty six. Uh, this, if not for that extra roster well, he makes spot that we're sense giving. Now. And I also love the breakdown. Of, so, you know, I know you don't want to make a player up. Like, you know, I hate that whole, like, we're going to make a platoon player. Right. But the Engel-Mazzara splits, you could actually put together a Nick Castellanos very easily if you, if you platoon him for <laughs> yeah, lefties Engel, and righties. Engel hit lefties very well last <laughs> yeah, year. Yeah, you really could kind of do something with that. It'd be I, very I mean, interesting. Especially on this roster, Engel being able to grab a glove every couple days, push one of the slow, bad outfielders to DH is super valuable, especially yeah. for... Any of the the starting pitchers that tend to throw more fly balls, especially when they're not at Sox Park, when they go somewhere else where you have to run down some stuff, 
It'd be valuable to have Adam Engel out there in a corner next to Luis Robert as this thing gets going. A, a mm-hmm. year ago, Dave, did you ever think we would sit at this bar and be lauding Adam Engel? Because I think about a year ago, <laughs> you just kept asking, why is he on this team? Well, and then no, I saw I him, and then I saw him at Saxfest, and I walked over, and I was real nice. So I'm like, hey, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And as I walked back, Dave's like, why are you talking? Heck, I ain't going to be on the team very long. I mean, now, both here's, the, here's, the, here's the thing. Here, They're both accurate. Here was the thing that we said with Adam Engel, though. My beef with Adam Engel is why not why is he on this team? It's why is he starting every single game in yeah. center field? Yes. That was my gripe. Yeah. Adam Engel, I don't care. Adam Engel is not your everyday starting center fielder. And we, you know, I had been saying that from you know, for years or a year, whenever it's however long we've had Make it. Make it a decade. Now. It feels say least, a decade. I've been saying this since last decade, I was saying. Yeah. Since last decade, yeah. yeah. No, but it's yeah. not, you know, just to clarify, I mean, as a as a utility guy, as a defensive sub, as a pinch runner, great. I just, you don't want to see him out there every single day. Are you or someone you know looking to learn how to play a musical instrument this year? Then you should be checking out Westgate Music School, 6527 West 127th Street in Palos Heights. Private music lessons for all instruments, including guitar, piano, drums, voice, bass guitar, violin, banjo, ukulele, and more. Are you a vocalist? Are you ready to play a musical instrument and looking to join a group? Westgate Music School offers group classes for rock band, acapella vocal, and barbershop quartet. Students of all ages and ability levels will have the opportunity to perform three times a year in a student concert. Gift certificates for Westgate are also available. More information, call 708-586-7002 or go to westgatemusicschool.com. All right, so let's get back to these relief pits. Okay. Um, yeah, I know. We started that's that's a, that's a hard. And then it, it just went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking about this Zach Birdie. Like, mm. there's a guy that could be an internal... Like, I mean, if he eventually made his way up here, I mean, we right. keep we keep getting we keep hearing about him like he's going to be something. I would think he's at least going to be in the spring training mix to try to make the squad. Do you think? You think I hope so. so? I mean, you'd also think someone like if only for his aunt Andrea, who is just a huge fan of all the podcasts, and I see her at like <laughs> every event. Walking around. Like, I just want her to get him there. She's very excited. Well, I have an autograph ball too that I would like to sell someday on eBay, <laughs> and I I don't want to waste that ball. It's an official major league ball, so yeah, I, yeah. he's got to have some type of success, there or at least go. some guy wants it in his collection. <laughs> I mean, when when before the injury, Zach Birdie was being comped. I'm pretty sure it was by the fan Fangraphs guys, the the prospect guys there. He was being comped as like Craig Kimbrell, second coming, like right, right. that kind of stuff, like that kind of impact reliever. Now, since the injury, he he lacked velocity for a while. Then he got the velocity back. He still sort of stunk. Like you you if you're Rick Hahn and you're looking at this thing. He's pumped quite a bit of resources into bullpen arms over time. He's traded international spending uh, capital for it. He picked Zach Birdie in the first round. I know everyone's focusing on you know XYZ free agents, which I'm sure we'll get to shortly, but he's got to be thinking, we need at least one guy to pop out of this group of this pile that we have here, right. you know, that we've accumulated over time, the Ryan Burrs and the Caleb Frares and Zach Birdie and that, that big group. Cody of, Medeiros. Yeah, Cody Medeiros. Yep. All these guys that you're like, we spent resources, we traded for these guys, we spent things, and kind of nothing's popped. I mean, the only internal option that's really popped over this uh, rebuild period has been Aaron Bummer. And it's really disappointing. Like, yeah. Jace Fry even really hasn't been very good. He's had flashes, but, you know, you, you so if you're looking at it from Hans' perspective, you got to be thinking, one of these guys got to pop. The other thing, too, about that is it's easier. I've talked about this 
bullpen guys typically have short shelf lives. Like they're good for a year or two, maybe right. three, and then they're done. So it's easy. That being said, it's easier and better for your team if you can put together a solid bullpen with, if you can home grow it more than trying to go out there and pluck free agents. Because up until, well, this year is obviously a whole different story, but you know, you're giving a lot of these relief pitchers, these multi-year deals, and they're either past their prime or they're going, they're just right now approaching the end of their prime. So you have this multi-year deal with these relievers and that's just, that's dead money. So right. it, it, I see what Han's trying to do. It makes more sense to build that bullpen from within and then, and then get like a guy or two off of the free agent market just so you could fill a hole if you need to. Dave, that's a great call because everyone pays attention to the big contract that doesn't work out or only partially works out and they see that dead money. They forget these smaller deals that accumulate together, like these bullpen arms, and they aren't worth anything. And then you you wasted eight million on that guy, seven million on that guy, ten million on that guy. Well, that adds up really fast. Yes. So I, I I totally agree with you there. That's a that's a tough spot to be in. Plus I'm gonna jump in. I'm gonna the, jump in here real quick because sure, it's sorry, been Chris. three minutes and I've never gone more than two without talking on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, is I want only is, is two minutes is two minutes the record? I thought it was more like fifteen uh, it's seconds. Been th- it's been a little over three now, and I'm getting concerned people will forget about me. I've got a theory <laughs> about this, by the way. Dave is is proposed as the, the as the angry guy on this podcast, right? And he always has been since the beginning of when, right. at least when we've been listening to it, which has been a while. But I don't think that's it. I think he just has to jump in hard to get his time. <laughs> right. Because Chris will keep talking if he doesn't kind of pound him a little bit, right? What do you guys think? Finally, right? finally someone understands me. <laughs> I feel the same way sometimes. I really do. When the brothers are going at it, I'm like, eh, maybe I should sit in there. Jimmy Jimmy Cordero, what do we think about him? I, I like love him. his biceps. I, like I, I hope <laughs> this is one of those guys Kissable that needs biceps. to pop. This is one of those guys that we, we need to hit on, right? Yeah. Like this guy has to... The, him and Jace Fry, to me, are the two guys that have to come out and do something this year. The other guy who has to have a dead cat bounce is Kelvin Herrera. Yeah, like Kelvin yes, Herrera, yes. like he's getting a lot of money to be terrible. So I hope his back's good and like he can throw pitches and not like roll around on the ground like Joe Creedy. Like, see, <laughs> Jesus, oh my God, poor Joe Creedy. <laughs> Joe alone. Hey, he's fat now. He's out there, he's eating, he's out there eating well now. He's, he's, right. he's he can't out work there, out. He's, out there, he's out there hunting and drinking beers with Mark Burley now. I, I will know? tell you, I will tell you my, my favorite Joe Creedy story ever was the last Sox Fest that he was at. And I, it was it was a few years back. It was when they had the 10-year yeah. a- anniversary. 2015. Of two, yeah, in 2015. Yep. So we're waiting, first of all, it's just me and my daughter. We get up early because I'm like, I want to go see Joe Creedy. She's playing, she's playing third base. She's playing softball. Okay. She was a, she actually was on the eleven and under state championship softball team out oh, of Evergreen oh, Park. Nice. So she's nice. she was a third baseman at the time. And she's like, I'm telling her all about Joe Creedy. I'm like, Joe Creedy's one of the best defensive third basemen I've oh, ever no. seen. I mean, he was amazing. In yeah, his heyday, really he was good. absolutely oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Okay. And we're standing in the line and everybody else is starting because it's the first one of the morning, and Joe Creedy's line isn't moving. And now we're like 20 minutes in and Joe Creedy's line is, and he's not on the table. And there's a security guard standing there and I can listen. I'm listening to his radio and they're looking for Joe Creedy. <laughs> and they find Joe Creedy. Guy comes up and he goes, I found him. He's in so-and-so's room. And he was, he was sleeping in there. And somebody goes, where? And he goes, the floor. 
And I was like, I started laughing because I could hear the thing. But they obviously all went out and just got blasted the night before. So Joe comes walking by, and as he's walking by, one side of his face is beat red because he's been laying on the carpet the whole night. <laughs> <laughs> the other side is not. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. So now Joe kills and sits down. And I again, I love Joe Creedy, but this is the funniest thing. He's sitting there, and he's signing the autographs. Well, he just isn't speaking to anybody because he's, like, hung over, and he's just like, like, people are giving her things like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, thanks a lot, uh-huh, and he keeps saying, like, no pictures. Like, he doesn't want anybody to take a picture of him in the state that he's in. Uh-huh, no, no, no pictures, no pictures, no pictures, no pictures. So I, as we're walking up, my daughter wants a picture with him. I'm like, don't ask him. He doesn't want, does not want a picture with anybody. <laughs> so she gets up there, and he takes the thing, and he's going to sign in. She just goes right into her speech. She's like, Mr. Creedy, I play third base in softball. My dad told me that you were the best third baseman he ever saw, and, 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 and I just want to play just like you, and blah, blah, blah. And here's Joe for the first time in like 20 minutes, because he's been sitting there with his head down. He looks up at her, and he's like, that, that right? And, he, and she goes, yeah. She goes, come on over here and get a picture. Yes. So he brings her over, yes. and she didn't even ask for a picture. He comes over. I take the picture. As soon as she's done, I do the dumbest thing in the world. I go, well, can I get a picture too? No. <laughs> like, you already got one. <laughs> Jesus. That's a classic dad move right there. That's what that is. Hey, thanks for listening. If you're into podcast and you like beer, craft beer reviews, craft brewery tours, fatherhood, drunken singing, outrageousness, late 1990s morning radio, trapped 20 years later at a nine-foot homemade oak bar. The original Broadcast Basement podcast is still available everywhere podcasts can be found and always at broadcastbasement.com. And it is still 30 minutes of good in a world of dumb with a new on-demand episode every Thursday. Maybe listen to it after this show, which continues now. I'm thinking with these these relief pitchers, they're probably going to have to go out and get somebody. But Dave made a point to me earlier before we even sat down. He said, you know, you never know how these guys are going to be. One year a relief pitcher is good, the next year the guy goes out and he sucks. Yep. One year a guy sucks, he goes out the next year and he's good. And, and you, you never know how it's going to affect somebody. Like one of the guys that's out there right now that I've seen mentioned that people are talking about, like, oh, we'll go get him. Okay, is the guy who was on uh, the Astros last year was Will Will, is, Will Harris? Will Harris, right? Mm-hmm. And now Will Harris was amazing all year long, right? And then he just has the two worst endings to games ever in Game Six and Game Seven of the yeah. World Series. And all Good I look. think about, all I think about, is in 05, Remember Cliff Polite? Cliff Polite, yeah. And yep. then remember when he left the mound in that World Series Shell and we never shocked. saw Cliff Polite again? Right. Like, <laughs> as he came or at least off, not that version of him. As yeah. he came off the mound, he looked like, like. His entire world has been shook, and he had he no had like more the, confidence ever again. He had like the thousand-yard like, stare, deer in the headlights. Yeah, he was just he like, was on fire all year, and then it went bad in the World Series. He was like, I don't, I've been fooling myself this whole time. Yeah. I shouldn't even be out here. Like, <laughs> and it wasn't the case, but he was just shell-shocked. And so I hear about this guy, and I go, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe he'll be affected too. Like we'll go spend a ton of money on this Will Harris and then he'll go out there and he'll be, he'll be Cliff Polite in 2006, you know? Yeah, and I think yeah. he, he projects it like two and 18. Like that's what people are saying he's going to get. That, that's how much money he'll get? Yeah, it's so a like, lot. that's a lot yeah, of money for relief to, to bet on one guy. That's yeah. Calvin yeah. Herrera money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and look, how, look how well that's going. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Well, you I know? mean, our, our, our mutual friend, uh, NWI Steve, Put out an article. Steve Peridzinski jumps That's out. Right. Yeah, writes, yeah. writes now for Saxon. He writes he, for everybody, though. Yeah, he, he's, a, <laughs> he's kind of a whore. <laughs> he is. <laughs> he, he wrote about trading for um, 
Ian Kennedy, I think it was. Yeah. And, you know, I, I read the article and I thought, you know, if, if, if that's the line you're going down, like, let's get a starter converted. Like, should, I know I know this is your guy. I don't want to make too much of him, fun of him. But isn't that what Nick Hostetler is supposed to be doing then? Like, isn't that his job? That's like his to, job. To, like, go find the guy that you could convert into this? No, he should be. Like, and, like, that's where I think one of the places they should be going. And I think two guys you should look at are, uh, and Beef mentioned this recently, uh, is Danny Salazar uh, from the Indians. He's had injury problems. He was a really good pitcher, had a lot of injury problems. He could be looking for a pillow deal to just show that he could be a dominant reliever in the league. And then the other guy who's like the light version of him is uh, Aaron Sanchez. And Aaron Sanchez has been a starter. Again, he's had injury problems. He's fallen off from being a starter, but he's actually, if you look at his, his first time through the order, he's really good. He throws, he used to throw a lot of sinkers. He doesn't throw them anymore. And I'm wondering if that's something that if it's an actual coop can fix them, like start throwing <laughs> your sinker again and, and just focus on that and your, your fastball uh, and maybe a change occasionally uh, and be a reliever. Like right. if, if move into that role, you only face three, four guys in a game. That's more your MO. So those two guys, I would look at and see: Can these guys actually? Well, are they willing to? First of all, uh, become relievers, and would they be uh, suitable as relievers? That's I think Nick Costello should be looking at that. I kind of don't feel like he is. I, I feel like they're going to go after different. Well, the thing I wish I knew is I wish I knew how they view the current starting rotation and who they think in their mind, without saying it, because they're never going to say it out loud. Right. Moves to the bullpen when Kopech. Is is on the roster? Oh, right. we know. You know, I mean, I think well, it's Ray Lopez. We, I was going to say we yeah. know. You know, we've talked about Kobe. We haven't talked about Ray Lopez because this Ray Lopez. Man, Ray Lopez pissed off his manager so yes, much at the end yeah, of the year. It, it was really him out it was of the amazing. Press. I'm, dude. I'm thinking when Kopech gets here, you're probably going to see Ray Lopez hit the bullpen. That's that's. And then what have we have we broken down that? Well, have you have you put that into your in your machine uh, no, there, no, 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 and Trying to figure out is he good for the first few guys that he faces, or is he is he just like Kobe? Like that's what I'm curious. I haven't I haven't looked at him recently. I haven't really Google looked at that. any of the guys in the in the starting rotation recently because my guess is they're gonna wait for Kopech until someone gets hurt and then bring him up for whoever got hurt. And I think that's how they're gonna play these the two guys that they've got that are coming back off injury because they're going to want to give them time. You see how, like, Birdie's a good example. You see how guys coming back from these surgeries right. are when they first come back. Right. Putting Kopech directly into the pros after that might be really bad for him. So oh, I, also I think, think they're yeah. going to they're gonna hold off and go like, no, the other thing is Lopez might just wet. suck. And then they go like, okay, well, now we're going to put you at the back of the bull, like <laughs> in the front of the bullpen, I should say. It's going to be, it's, it's probably going to be, it's probably going to be May or June before you see Kopech. Yeah, right? I mean, oh, so and, and guys don't easily. come back from that surgery and they're good. Right no, well, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna have to give them they're gonna give them a whole bunch of rehab starts to start the year in AAA. Yes, I mean, and they're gonna want to control kinda, the innings too. They're gonna want to sh- they're gonna want to shut him down in a certain amount, 150, 170. Pick a number out of the hat, but they're gonna want to stop him at some point. So you're right. They're going to start him in uh, minors, and his starts are going to be two or three innings, so they make sure and he'll that be they don't shut down by it. August, and Rodon will 
move into his spot. I mean, that's unless they're re- unless they're really like in, in good, it in a, in a good. I mean, way. if they're in like it, and Col- yeah, if, if they're he, in if it, and Kopech is is dealing, yeah, 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 then he'll stay on. Yeah, there, but right? remember the Nationals shut down Strasburg that one year when he came back from when he was young. They did, and they yeah. stayed because they were like, we have too much invested in this guy. Yeah, I don't care if we're in a playoff race or not, you know. And all that did, yeah, all that did was work out. They turned out to be pretty good, and they ended up winning the World Series with him. So, because I want to see, you know, I want to see Kopech do well in meaningless baseball. That's what yeah. I want to see. Yeah. I, I don't want to see him do well at the end of his career or in the middle of his career. I want him now because, you know what, I've been spending a lot of money on tickets. And I, I don't want to uh, have to watch a Dylan Covey. All right, before we get out of here, one more question for the group, okay? We'll go around the horn because I'm very curious what everybody's belief here is. I know what I want the White Sox to do, but do the White Sox start the season with Lewis Robert in center field? Or do they hold him down in the service time game? Are we going one at a time? Well, we'll go one at a time around the room, and we will start with my sack summer. If they can get him to sign a long-term agreement like they did with Eloy, he will be up and starting on opening day. Otherwise, no. Otherwise, absolutely not. All right, what about your easy? I'm going to say that Chris Bryant wins his grievance, <laughs> and we never have to talk about this again. <laughs> I'm almost rooting for Chris Bryant, so we can I, say I'm very sorry. much rooting for him. <laughs> Beef, what do you got? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say, without a doubt, he does not end up on the opening day roster. I'm also going to say they won't wait the exactly nine or ten days or whatever that they need to. They'll push it out a little further, and they'll claim some sort of additional Defensive development needed, yeah. and, and they'll try to make it less sketchy than like the Chris Bryant issue like you were talking about, Treasy. I, I agree that I think... I think what is happening right now is they are trying to get a long-term deal done with him so that they don't, similar to the Eloy thing, so that they don't need to worry about this, so that you can have him there on opening day. I am pretty sure that they're going to get that deal done, so I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes, he will start in center field with a long-term deal on opening day. I, I nice. don't, I, you know, I want him to start opening day. Of I do. wanted him here on August the 1st because I hate the service time thing and I wanted to give him a couple of months up in the majors because if you're really going to go for it and you've now got this fan base all excited, you're going to have a very, very difficult time with an angry fan base for a couple of weeks while they're like, why isn't this guy up here? But you're telling us you're going for it, but you're conceding April. Like you're basically saying April doesn't matter, but it, it does. There's like, you know, 25 games in April. It makes a difference what you do in April. But I don't think he's going to be here to start the year. I'm I'm, I'm pessimistic. Somebody's got to be pessimistic. There's way too many positive vibes. Okay, <laughs> the White Sox make a couple of signings. The entire fan base is planning for the World Series. You know? <laughs> no. so, so, let's all true. just calm down for a second here. We end up with 85 wins. Well, you know, that's probably more realistic. Chris, why, awesome. you gotta, <laughs> Chris why you got to be so negative all the time? You're so angry. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to the one waiters Thank you. They, they Thank brought you. some beer, so they're gonna be re- we're going to record the, the episode that they're doing on their podcast so you'll hear uh them with uh dave and i as their guest sitting here at the socks in the basement nine foot homemade oak bar should be uh should be a fun time there's socks in the basement socks in the basement socks in the basement socks in the basement heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socks in the basement.com